Normally, I do not give you the title to a sermon, but I'm going to give you the title this morning. What has fear done to David? So we'll be talking about David's behavior as he runs from Saul. We're in 1 Samuel 21 this morning. David and Jonathan, well, they parted ways. They're two kindred spirits. Uh, Jonathan says he loved David as he loved his own soul. It has been a God-ordained friendship. Both men are men of renown. They're men of great godly character. And they've made a covenant of peace between themselves that they will keep. And these two men are vessels of God used by God, but now they must depart. And they depart from one another, and they don't realize it, but they will never see each other again. Jonathan reminds David, the Lord be between you and me and between our descendants. And David will honor that when he's king. Jonathan wants David to be kind and loving to his family, to his children, and so forth. For Jonathan fully realizes that one day David will be king. And David, of course, he's a man of character and he's faithful. But now, David, he is on the run from King Saul. And we will see how fear will begin to dominate David's behavior. And there's a great lesson in this, this chapter for us. So, chapter 21 of 1 Samuel. Now David came to Nob, to Abimelech the priest. And Abimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? So David said to Abimelech the priest, the king has ordered me on some business and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you, and I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now therefore you have on hand what you have on hand. Give to me loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand. But there is holy bread, if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us for about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Abimelech, Is there not here 
on hand a spear or a sword, for I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it. For there is no other except that one here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. And then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretending madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Good question. David, he arrives at Nob. And Nob is a, just a small little city, more like a little village, about three miles north of Jerusalem. Nob is a city or a village of priests. Abimelech, the high priest, he is afraid as he meets David. And he asks David, why are you alone? Why do you travel without a kingly escort? And it was uncommon for any one of the king's court to travel alone, yet David is alone. We just had our president come to our little village of Huntsville. Well, we're a village compared to a lot of big cities. And he came via Air Force One. The day before, though, the touring vehicles arrived on another plane of the president. So there was a lot of protocol involved in the president visiting. Abimelech wants to know why, David, why are you alone? David, being by himself with just a few aides, frightens Abimelech. Then in verse 2, David lies. He tells the priest of Abimelech, I am on a secret mission from the king. So Abimelech, you keep this silent about my mission and what I'm doing and where I'm going. And then David asked for food. He asked for bread. There's no bread here, David, except the holy bread or the show bread. And if your young men have been separated from women, they can partake of this showbread. Abimelech is willing to give David and his few men holy bread, which was forbidden, by the way, because their hunger is more important than having bread there on the altar as a symbol. 
God gets very practical in our lives at times. In Luke 6, Jesus makes reference to this event of eating the holy bread. Let me read you several verses here. You don't have to turn there. But in Luke 6, 1 through 5, Now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields, and his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, why are you doing what is not lawful do you, to do Excuse me, on the Sabbath? But Jesus answering them said, Have you not even read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, and gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he said to them, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. The disciples are walking through the fields with Jesus. They're taking these heads of grain. They're rubbing them together, blowing the husk away, and they're eating the grain. And they, The Pharisees come to Jesus and say, hey, that's illegal. That's unlawful. Your disciples are working. They're harvesting. And it's on the Sabbath. And Jesus has a response for him. And it's, have you not even read how David ate the showbread along with his men when he was hungry? Bread that was for the priest only, David and his men are allowed to eat. And Jesus is declaring a principle here. And this principle is above the traditions of man. How the necessity of being hungry prevails over tradition. And the law never forbids us from doing good. Doing good takes precedence over tradition. And if David, along with his men, ate showbread... Jesus says, consider the Son of Man himself is also Lord above the Sabbath. In another passage, Jesus declares, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Now, I believe it's totally healthy and good for us to observe a day of rest in our week. But allow that day of rest to be a blessing, not a legal obligation. There's different denominations that consider doing anything on Saturday, the Sabbath, illegal. It's wrong. It's not of the law. But David and Abimelech both break tradition in David and his men eating the showbread. And then there are those who condemn David for breaking what we call the Mosaic law. But Jesus didn't condemn David. And in verse 7, and we move along in our passage, we have Doeg. He's a spy type person 
with loyalties to King Saul. Doeg means to bring fear. And Doeg will be a snare. He will be a traitor to David a little later uh, in David's life. But we have David not only eating the showbread, but now David asks Abimelech for a sword or a spear in verse 8. And they said the only spear or sword around here, we don't have a spear, but we have Goliath's sword. And you kill Goliath, so take it, David, it's yours. And he takes the sword. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we read, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. But we have David now taking what we would call carnal weapons for his defense. And this, for David, is trusting in the flesh, and it begins a downward spiral that David won't pull out of short, in short order. Let's take a look now how David is afraid as he runs from Saul and he comes to Gath. Gath is a large Philistine city near Israel's border. David, in his state of fear, will now descend what I think is to the lowest point of his life. And that's just my humble opinion. But now David is in enemy territory, and he's acting insane. David is faking or feigning madness. He scratches on the doors of the gate of the city. He lets his saliva fall down in his beard. And Gath, King Achish of Gath, says to his servants, why have you brought this insane man before me? This means that David was putting on a good show of madness. Why have you brought this madman before me? And Akish will not even allow his servants to bring David in his house. And we have seen now David has come full circle in his bizarre behavior. David a man of honor has yielded. He has succumbed to fear. David is on the run for his life, and he has become greatly afraid of what man can do to him. He lies to the priest of uh, Abimelech there. He, I'm on a secret mission from King Saul. David was a man who was known for his upright character and now resorts to lying. And he lies to who? A priest. Then the same David, who would not take a sword or weapons from Saul when he went out to battle Goliath, he now asks Abimelech, the priest, do you have any weapons here? Do you have a sword? And now we see David arming himself with carnal weapons. For believers to seek out 
carnal weapons of defense goes against us trusting in God as our defender. Fear is contrary to faith. They cannot coexist. King Saul, persuaded by David, allows David to go and fight Goliath. But he tells David, hey, David, I've got armor, I've got swords, I've got spears, and uh, here, you carry my weapons. And in 1 Samuel 17, let me read you a couple verses, 38 and 39. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his arm and tried to walk. For he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. David, when given the weapons by King Saul to fight Goliath, he says, I can't even walk with these all these uh, garments of defense on, much less fight a battle. And David took off the provisions of the flesh. Verse 45 of 1 Samuel 17, as, as David is about to enter battle, listen to what David has to say. Then David said to Goliath, You come to me with sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you with an, in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Such a beautiful, humble beginning by David. But now David is turned. The thing is, we also enter into battles. And they can be giants. They can be more than we are equipped for. Much bigger than our ability to overcome. So how do we equip ourselves for these spiritual battles that come our way? 2 Corinthians 10.4 tells us, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds. Real clue there. Just recently, and I got Lori's permission to say this, <laughs> she received her pink slip from Boeing after 10 years. She got laid off. I think it's the middle of November is her supposed last day. And we think the reason she got laid off is because she voiced opposition to traveling. I said something like this to her. I said, honey, you're not called to Boeing. You're called to be a pastor's wife. Ask them not to make you travel. Just go and tell them that it's causing friction between you and your husband for you to travel so much. Well, she did, and we think that's the reason she got laid off. 
And this layoff is about two years ahead of our schedule. But hey, we'll make it. <laughs> Everybody Lori works with, including her bosses, her immediate bosses, think that her layoff was unfair. But mine and Lori's battle is we're trying to rest in the Lord knowing that he is our defense. And we'll see how this whole scenario plays out. I'll keep you in tune. <laughs> but we want to be glorifying God throughout this whole financial little drama. We are forced at times, all of us, to choose to either walk by faith or trust in our own endeavors. You can be your own defense, but God won't defend you if you're trying to defend yourself. you got to trust him for to be your defense. David, under extreme threats for his life, he's running from Saul. He makes three bad decisions. One, he lies to Abimelech, the priest. Two, he asks Abimelech, for carnal weapons, and he receives Goliath's sword. And third, in the final act, he acts insane before Achish there at Gath in the area of the Philistines. And if the story of David were to end right here, we would conclude that David was probably a failure. David, you've gone back on all that you have stood for and all that you became, and you've become a liar. You trusted God to protect you from Goliath, and now you're asking for a sword, and all you had to fight Goliath with was a sling and a staff. No swords or spears, David. And now, David, you've acted insane lost all your dignity as a man of God and a warrior of God by personally shaming yourself. And he did. And you've shamed yourself before King Achish of the Philistines. This is the same David who said to Goliath, who are you, an uncircumcised Philistine, that you should defy the armies of the living God. And now David has come full circle. David, standing firm for the Lord God of Israel when he fought Goliath, now voluntarily fakes insanity and madness before a Philistine king. David has come full circle and it's not a good circle. But don't write off David. God is not through with David. Thank God for his long suffering. David, at this point in his life, he is acting cowardly because of fear. Have you ever failed the Lord because of fear? If you're anything like me, you have. David does. 
He fails the Lord because he's afraid. Perhaps you've heard, our God is a God of second chances. Well, I don't agree with that. I think God is a God of multiple choices, <laughs> multiple times over. But as we look at Psalms that David wrote during this time of failure, we see David pours out a repentant heart before God. And David, at this, at, during this time, he wrote the 56th Psalm. You may want to turn there. I'm going to read the 56th Psalm. And we can hear David as he cries out to God during his time of failure. Psalm 56. Be merciful to me, O God. For man would swallow me up, fighting all day he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? All day they twist my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together, they hide, they mark my steps, and when then they lie in wait for my life. Shall they escape by iniquity? In anger cast down the peoples, O God. You number my wanderings. You put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me. Quite a confession, as David is feeling the way he feels. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? So David, he's in this depressed, sinful state, but only temporary. And maybe you've come through. A period, a rough stretch, a time where you failed not only yourself, but you felt like you failed God. Be restored. God loves you. He's a forgiving God. He's a gracious God. And we, as his children, are allowed to come to him, ask him to forgive us. He restores us. He sets us on our feet again. And we get another chance, another opportunity to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.